I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now, at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking the good gardening stroll shortly. But right now, if you have any questions or concerns about your landscape, your plants, your house plants, or anything else, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And, Mr. Kelly, before you take off, Yo. I have a question for you. Okay. Do I look like a robot? No. Oh, really? Because when I got my COVID shot. Yes. Uh, a JJ shot. You got the JJ? Yeah. They put the uh, thermometer up to my forehead yes. on both sides. They couldn't get a reading at first at all. Really? And then I said, I told them, I said, I'm really a robot. <laughs> and then they finally got a reading, but it was 95.1 or something. Yeah. So I don't think I'm alive. I think I'm walking dead. Well, you're doing a heck of a job. <laughs> whatever whatever you are. I you just, a zombie? Yeah. <laughs> I must be. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize that. So that's uh, that's kind of scary. <laughs> yes, it is. You have no. T- you know, you're really cool. You could say that. <laughs> Very much. Cool so. man. Cool. <laughs> well, great. Thanks for your. You opinion. bet. So, so people who call in, it's like a robo call. Yes. Because you're going to be answering it. Right. Oh, great. Exactly. Okay. Wonderful. It's the future. <laughs> <laughs> it's here. Today. <laughs> Yes, folks, it is Saturday morning, and we have a roundtable discussion about what's going on in your backyard, side yard, front yard. Oh, why are my gutters so full of stuff? Well, because you've got trees overhanging your house, and now they've dropped all their flowers, like the maple trees and all that other stuff. Your specialty garden space. Oh, those house plants. Did you take them out? Oh, did they get too cold? No, they were fine. But uh, should you take them out? You don't have to, but if you do take them out, don't put them in direct sunlight because they could get sunburned pretty quickly. Uh, what I try to do is share some information about diseases, bugs, pruning, shearing, improving soil, and everything else, and hopefully it makes your decision, which is going to be yours, a little easier to orchestrate. And uh, the final judgment, yes, it is yours. This is your show, and I certainly appreciate or appreciate you inviting me into your home car or wherever you happen to be listening. Another important player is Alex. He's across the board, and he answers the phone, so he's the producer. And consequently, what he needs when you call is just your first name and where you're calling from. He doesn't need to know the question because he could care less. Although he likes plants and everything else, he doesn't know uh, anything when it comes to that because he's not a robot. Anyway. 
I'm the host of the Garden Hotline, and I have been since 1994. I can come to your home and do landscape consultations if you like, and I do come when it's raining or shining. Today I have two. One's in the city of St. Louis, South City, and the other one is in town and country. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, homepage. That will be my email address and phone number where I can be reached. Well, let's get moving. Today's stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. I I stepped out. Oh, it's pouring. I thought, oh, goodness gracious. It's very difficult to do good gardening strolls when it's raining this much. But I thought, oh, well. So I headed down onto the Highway 55, went north, got off on Walnut, wove around until I was at Broadway and Spruce. Well, what is at Broadway and Spruce? That's the right field entrance to Bush Stadium, Cardinals opening series. I don't know if they're going to be able to play today or not. And uh, all the plantings underneath there, the large linden trees were really looking good. And under the lindens, the oak leaf hydrangeas were really pushing out some great-looking new foliage. Probably the most spectacular thing right now is the white crab apples. They are in full flower, and the plantings underneath the crab apples, yellow creeping jenny, which I like to call yellow money wart. Wart is a British word for plant, but anyway, they look like little coins on the ground, great ground cover. Uh, red tulips, and they were just starting to drop some of their petals. There was white pansies underneath that, and they were jumping out. So the, the red tulips and the white pansies really look spectacular. And they put some red pansies in there, but the red pansies were kind of they were not looking all that great. But anyway, it was still a nice entrance to the stadium, a right field entrance. And uh, the signage red. This is an ex- inspection lane right here. And the decal, decals on the ground for social distancing had actually Fred Bird <laughs> down there on the ground saying, stay here, stand here, stand here. So it was really pretty funny. But uh, mask must be worn. I'm not sure if you have to wear the mask the whole time through the whole game since you're outside, but I'm not sure. I, you know, There was no sign that said you got to keep it on or anything else. And the rain was starting to pick up, so that was making it tough to take some notes. And the clouds were low enough, so many of the taller buildings downtown, you couldn't see the, even the top of them. But it looks like uh, great for the 2021 opening series. And I hope the rain ends so the game can be played today. So, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We'll be back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, it's raining outside. Uh, What does that mean? You don't need to irrigate today necessarily, but... If you do have questions about your landscape, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head to South County and go into Donna's yard. Hi, Donna. Good morning, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. I've got two short questions, I believe, regarding composting. I put my vegetable scraps in a little container, and then I throw it out in my vegetable bin, in my composting bin. However, I noticed there was some mold in it, Is that? and I threw it in the composting. Is that going to be a problem if I use it for a vegetable uh, garden? Well, you should be rotating it. Yes, right. I won't use the compost uh, until next year, 2020, uh, 2022. Yeah, as long as you're rotating and everything else, I mean, that's just part of the natural process. So it's nothing to be overly concerned with. 
sounds great. I also have a question uh, regarding sometimes you'll see people who do bonsai trees. They'll take a branch and they'll bend it in a different direction by using some wiring. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's a chance I could do that on a a young, fairly young tree in my own backyard, uh, you know, um, an outside tree? uh, Actually, it's a a black gum, and one side is looking kind of bare. I have a branch that I can gently move a little bit, and I was wondering, do you think I could redirect that branch by doing that as they do with a bonsai? Uh, it's just the thing with a bonsai is you, I mean, the tree is relative, is small, as you know, and yeah. you it may take multiple years before you get the shape that you want, so you can't unwire it and wire it. But when you have a tree outside, those branches are going to get big, and so consequently, you're going to have to be rewiring constantly as opposed to with a bonsai, you just leave the wire in place as it was initially put on. So mm-hmm. that would be the very, you know, very much of a concern. It's so it kind of like sometimes you see trees where people planted them too close to fences and the tree trunk has gotten big enough where actually the fence is now absorbed into the tree trunk. Yeah. So that, you know, that would be a concern where I would probably say, no, that you probably shouldn't be fooling with it. Probably won't happen. All right. Well, it was a, it was a, an option that I thought might work. But if not, I appreciate your information. Have a great one. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, in the future, since you said this was a small tree, just do some pruning and see if you can make some branches go in the direction that you want as opposed to trying to do it while it's rel- relatively young. Well, the deer kind of broke some of the branches oh, off. I see. And so I was trying to... Move some branches over to where the bare spot ah. is. Thank you, dear. Sure. <laughs> All right. Thanks, deer. Mike. I appreciate it. Sure. My pleasure. Uh-huh, bye now. Now, from Donna's yard, we're heading over to John's yard. Hi, John. Good morning, Mike. How you doing today? Very good. Good, good. If we have a raised flower bed for a vegetable garden. Mm-hmm. We're going to till that soil tomorrow. So the question is, do we need to remove the old mulch before tilling? Yeah, you should probably rake it back, but if it's really wet, I would not rototill. Okay. So no. just watch oh, out well. about doing that. I know it's a raised bed. You probably have raised bed mix, and it shouldn't make too much of a problem, but you just have to kind of watch out because when rototilling with really wet soil, sometimes it makes big lumps and clogs of you know soil, and consequently, they don't break down so easily, and it come, it causes more problems where, you know, you get pieces of, let's say, bigger pieces, and there could be a, a gap in between them because of their size, and then water could settle in there and make it, you know, problematic for the plant material. We don't have to worry about cold air sinking into those spots anymore, but I would just, when the soil's too wet, I don't, you shouldn't be working with it. Hold off, then. Yes. All right, great. I appreciate it. So, and we get... St. Louis compost, and we got that raised flower bed soil yes. compost that worked very well last year. Perfect. Glad to hear thank, it. Thank you. Enjoy the day. Sure. And now let's head to Lillian's yard. Hi, Lillian. Hi. Hi. Mike, I have a, a tulip plant I got for Easter, and I was wondering if I could divide that and plant it in the ground in the next couple of days. I would not divide it. I mean, it's a tulip bulb, if it's a regular, it has the white flowers on it. They're pink and white. Yeah. So basically, I would just leave it as is. You can plant it in the ground. They're, you know, they're hardy. They can, you know, they can handle it in the outdoors. And uh, so I would not try to divide it unless you're pretty sure as there's like, multiple, let's say, different stems coming up 
from right. uh, what you're assuming are different bulbs. Right. They look like there's about six different bulbs in there. Wow. That's a big pot. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I would still be a little concerned, you know, about trying to pull them apart because right now you need to have the root system when they go into the ground so they can continue to absorb moisture and everything and keep the foliage looking good. Now, if the flowers are finished, uh, as soon as they're finished, if they haven't finished yet, cut those off, but leave the foliage and it'll go probably through most of the summertime. Then it'll die off. It'll turn brown. Then you cut it off. And then next year they should come back. Thank you very much, Mark. Sure. Enjoy your show. Well, thank you for having me on your show. And I'll tell you, this year has been a spectacular year. I was sorry to see the rains and stuff earlier in the week knocking the magnolia foli- or magnolia petals off. This has, you know, as I've been saying for the last several weeks, I don't remember a spring being quite this spectacular. But I'll tell you also during this spectacular spring, the henbit and the chickweed, Wow. And the Persian Speedwell, those weeds, those annual cool season weeds have, I mean, when I walk through the neighborhood, it's really kind of nice to see. I know in a few, another couple of weeks when it really starts getting warm, they're going to disappear. But I mean, these yards would just looks like purple. And that's because of they got the hen bit on there and it's like, whoa, but uh, it looks good now. But uh, when they go dormant, then it's just going to be icky stuff. So anyway, well, maybe not. Maybe this yard also has some warm season weeds. It has some, you know, black medic or carpet weed or crabgrass or whatever else. It doesn't really matter. Anyway, thanks, Lillian. Greatly appreciate it. Thank you. And now let's head over to Chris's yard. Hi, Chris. Hey, good morning, Mike. How are you? Very good. Um, Good. Hey, I got a couple of questions. one, I have a very large pile of uh, horse manure and wood chips from our barn, and it's been building over the last five years since we've been here. And I got, I was listening to the compost discussion and kind of wondering, is there any way that I can set something up with that to be able to make that into a usable product um, for myself out here? Well, basically, if you would, you know, what happens compost is you, you know, you stratify the debris and you put different kinds of debris to get, depending upon what you're trying to make. And then, but it's rotated and it's turned. I mean, like at St. Louis Composting, they have huge front loaders to turn the products. So if, you, if you're not turning the product and the pile is so huge, I don't know how, what, you know, how you're going to actually use it. So it's not going to be all that functional for you. So Yeah, I have a huge front-loader tractor that I Oh, do you? Oh, well, it. then if yeah. you get out there and start turning this thing over, and when you turn uh-huh. it, you should there should be some humidity coming up. In other words, steam. So, you know, just periodically uh, just turn it, and then, you know, probably in a year or two you might be able to use it. So I should probably just break it down and make it into, like, three years of piles and go back and forth between them and keep turning them exactly. maybe or something? Yeah, right. Okay. The, the second question I had is um, I, I did some sodding in my backyard, and I left other areas and tried seeding it and wasn't very successful. So I've kind of come to the conclusion I'm going to go ahead and go down to one of the sod farms and purchase it. But I've got a lot of, I don't know what kind of weeds and things in it, plus the dandelions came in and all that. Should I just go through that with um, like a Roundup type thing or something and, and lay it flat first and kind of 
go over it with a some kind of a I can't think of the name of the device, but it, it breaks up the soil a little bit, not a lot. And then, then lay my sod, or what's the best approach for that? Well, if you just lay your sod on top of weeds, you're just, you know, creating, a, basically you're going to end up where you are right now, except you might have some grass in with the weeds. So you really should get that, you know, get those under control for sure. And then, you know, you don't necessarily have to rototill heavily, but, you know, I don't know how compacted your soil is, but if you're living in an agricultural area, maybe it's not all that bad. But, uh, yeah, working the surface soil up, or the, the surface of the soil up after you get the weeds under control before you lay the sod down is certainly recommended. And you should get the sod down. I don't know, if, are you going cool season sod or are you going, you know, like zoysia? Cool season. Okay. Yeah, it's in it's in a very shaded area. There's like three huge elm trees. Okay. Out there. Well, then, if that's a circumstance, just know that you're not going to really have great successful lawn in that, regardless of what you do, because not only the shade factor, but also the tree roots competing with any kind of grass that tries to grow there. So that's why you've probably not had great luck with it. And regardless of what you do, you're not going to have great luck. So would I be better off to buy like some uh, ivy or something and try to let it? Take <laughs> well, over? Um, yeah, or tradition, yeah, some kind of traditional uh, ground cover type thing because you're not going to get lawn to grow in there for sure. It's not going to work. I mean, oh, you can okay. go to the botanical garden and go in the areas that you know that are heavily shaded, and you know even they overseed a couple times a year, usually May and September, or you know, it's all weather dependent when they actually do it. But uh, it's still always going to be thin and weak, and now they do the weed control. But if you're not going to be on top of it that much, then it's just going to be kind of a waste of your time. Well, I'm retired. i got lots of time to do that. (laughs) But you got more fun things to do than that, don't you? (laughs) Uh, Fishing, yeah. Uh, You you caught me. (laughs) Well, thanks, Mike. Sure, my pleasure. If anybody else has questions, we got phone lines open, 314 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Containers, yes, a lot of the garden centers and greenhouses and things like that are just full of plant material. And, I mean, I bought a bunch of stuff the other day, and I got it all potted up, and so it looks pretty good. And my favorite one right now is still the window box that I grew the lettuce from seed, and I have a, you know, a little statue or, you know, whatever of a rabbit sitting in it so every time you look out the kitchen window you see the rabbit in the lettuce patch so anyway mike miller km west garden hotline back after these messages this is the st louis composting garden hotline with mike miller on the voice of st louis kmox Yes, folks, as your spring bloomers, those spring flowering bulbs, as they finish flowering, the petals start dropping off. Cut those stems off, but leave the foliage and use about half the label rate of a fertilizer, whatever fertilizer you happen to choose. And even do that with the tough, durable ones like the crocus and the daffodils are pretty tough and durable. Um, Grape hyacinths, any of those kind of things. Fertilize them, cut the flowers off, and leave the foliage until it turns brown. So just keep keep that in mind. And also, this I mean, this is the time of year as they start sort of heading downhill when you start bringing out the elephant ears, the cannas, the caladiums, and everything else. They can be planted in the ground or in containers. And uh, basically with them, what you want to do is when you start to see some new growth, the foliage emerging from the bulb, 
uh, start fertilizing them at half the label rate and keep those guys well watered also. And now let's head to South County and go into Bob's yard. Hi, Bob. Hi, Mike. I have a question about an oak tree. Okay. I have an oak tree in my front yard that was planted too far out of the ground, and I have surface roots. I'd like to have some dirt brought in to brought brought up to the level of the surface roots so they're basically covered. Will that damage the tree? Yes. And also it will cause other problems because it's not going to stay in place. Because just piling soil up on the roots and where they are is it's going to erode away from that point. So even if you put an edger or anything else, it's going to be problematic. And it wasn't probably necessarily just planted too high. It's just certain trees, because of the soil they were planted on, and certain trees just genetically have surface roots that are going to be visible. So this particular one, your soil probably wasn't great because oak trees is not a tree that normally does it a whole lot, but they can. And it's just a, you know, it's kind of a natural trait. So I guess just plant ground cover and... Uh... Conceal the roots using ground cover. Exactly. That's about the best thing you can do. There's no getting around it because putting soil on top of it is not going to do anything because you're not going to be able to grow anything on it. You can't grow even yeah. ground cover in that new soil that you're bringing in. You can't grow lawn, so you're just kind of wasting your time and money. Okay. Okay, well, thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. Now let's head over to Mario's yard. Hi, Mario. Hello. Yes. Good morning. Good morning. I have an issue with my grass. It's kind of like the, the it's not it's not green. It's actually yellow, <laughs> and uh, it was green once before. And um, I noticed that at my job they do seed the grass around August or September. And I said to myself, it's nice and green over there. So why can't I have green over here and do the same thing? Is that possible, or should I? get a soil test first and do all that route, or should I just seed it at around September or August? Well, you can certainly do that. A soil test would tell you what there is there. Now, do you know what kind of grass that you have? Because the zoysia grass and warm season grass is still, I mean, it still has a considerable amount of brown blades. It is starting to you know, put, you know, push up some new green growth. But uh, if you have a cool season grass like a fescue or a bluegrass or something like that, and it's brown, then that doesn't sound very good at all. So, but you can also it's, it's actually a yellow. I'm sorry, I'm sorry oh. to interrupt. It, it, it's actually a yellow. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, do you know if it's zoysia or what kind of grass is it? No, no I'm not sure what type of uh, what kind of grass. But it used to be green. Uh, green in the summertime or green through the winter time. No, green is during the summertime. Yeah, so you probably have zoysia. So mm-hmm. probably what you don't need to really do anything at all as far as seeding goes. What I would do okay. is d- dig up a, like a six-inch square and go down, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so you can get the root system and everything else. So go down about an inch and a half to two inches and mm-hmm. lift it up, put it, you know, put it in a paper bag and take it to your favorite garden center and let them look at it to find out. Because if you have zoysia, This is a time of year when you want to start fertilizing. Then you fertilize it basically monthly all the way through September, and then it will look vibrant all summer long, great and everything else. But then when winter comes, it's going to turn yellow slash tan, whatever. Okay. Now, would it turn? When I do this, would it turn green this year or next year? No, no, this year. 
Okay, got it, got it. So do a soul test yeah, ASAP. So, so just find out specifically what kind it is, and do get a soil test because that will help you to you know determine what's going to be the best fertilizer for you. But there is got fertilizers that specifically for zoysia lawns. Oh, okay, okay, got it, got it, got it. Okay, that's that's an that's a that's the plan then. Right, I'll do that. Thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. Yeah, my zoysia is. Uh, just now starting to turn green. I've got my fertilizer ready to go. I was going to do it today, but it's, it's probably by the time I finish my walk and talks, it's going to be a little bit too late, but I'm going to fertilize it within the next week or so. So anyway, thanks, Mario. And now let's head over to Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Good morning. Good morning. Um, Mike, I have a question about roses. They've leafed out already. Is mm-hmm. it too late to kind of trim them back? No, you can prune them still. Oh, I can. Yeah, it's not ideal to do it. But uh, are they shrub roses? Are they hybrid teas, grandiflores, traditional they roses, are, or shrubs? Uh, a couple of them are knockout roses, and then the other ones are probably grandifloral. Yeah, so I would, on the, probably the grandiflores, I just leave them alone. But on the shrub-type roses, you can, you're probably going to be okay with pruning them this late, but it's not ideal to do it. Yeah, so if I just left them alone, that'd be okay, too? Yeah, then when you get the first flush and that's finished, then you could do the pruning at that time. Okay, including the knockout roses, right? Exactly, right. And then okay. use, you know, monthly with a roast food, so okay. a fertilizer. Well, thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, if you've got grandiflores and shrub roses, that's, you know, I mean, that's great. Let's see, where should we go now? Let's head over to Bob's yard. Hi, Bob. Mike, can you hear me? Yes. Thank you for taking my call. We have a a small area. uh, Actually, it's under the first or second step going up to our deck. And, uh, you know, I've been using a weed whacker to try to keep the grass mowed underneath there. It's not a very big area, but the wife was wanting to put a ground cover in there. Primarily shade. It's a little morning sun, but for the most part, it's in total shade. So I uh, wonder if you had any recommendations of what type of ground cover would do good in that environment. If this is, this has a step like a regular board step and everything? Yeah, it's uh, yes, yes, sir. It's the steps. It's the first two steps depth-wise and, of course, the width of a step sure. going up to our deck. Right. And, and, you know, it's just kind of an area that you can't get a mower under. And... Uh, you know, the wife, and it is, it's a good area for ground cover, but pretty much all shade. Yeah, and the shade is not the factor. It's just the moisture, you know, situation. So anything that you put in there is going to have a really difficult time, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. If, so, and if you put a ground cover in there, let's say it does get established and everything else, then it's going to start migrating out from, you know, from that situation. But it's going to be super dry and everything else. Dry shade is, you know, there's not too many plants that really like that all that much. I see. Okay. So, so I would say use like a, a rock-type mulch or a regular-type, you know, bark mulch or something along that line as opposed to try to get plant material because you're going to be spinning your wheels and you're not going to ever really probably be satisfied with how it looks. Okay. Well, appreciate that so much. So just basically... Uh, border it in and, and mulch it or rock it with a decorative rock or something. Exactly. Okay. All right, Mike. Thank you so very much. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's uh, yeah, let's try to get another call. Loretta, how are you today? I'm good, Mike. How are you? Very good. 
Okay, question. I went to uh, a nursery this week, and I bought some perennials. When is the correct time to purchase annuals? I just hate to put all that money into them, and then they die. <laughs> because well, it's too early. No, it's not too early. I mean, I've already got a bunch, so I bought some the okay. other day. So basically, you know, technically the frost-free date is April 15th. So in theory, you know, historically we've had, you know, cold weather all the way up to mid-April. I'm not saying that wouldn't happen again, but uh, I wouldn't be. If you're overly concerned about it, I would say wait till May 1st. And uh, if you've got the soil prepared and everything else, I would and you want them now, then go ahead and get them, but you can just wait till May 1st. Okay, because my fear is, you know, nobody has anything to do, and they're all buying flowers right now. I just hate <laughs> for, you know, to be purchased, and then when I go buy them, there's nothing left. Right, that's exactly <laughs> right. But, I mean, the garden centers are packed with plant materials, so. Okay. So just, all right, thanks a lot. Thanks. Sure. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've got mine in pots. I've got some in the ground, too, and... Uh, so anyway, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, as the weather's changing, there's going to be some mole activity. So if you've had a history of moles, be watching out for them. reason why I know that, well, I live in the city, but uh, there's worm castings all over my yard. So what that means is what it is is earthworms, they push little kind of small mounds of soil up to the surface. So it's not castings per se, but it is. And what that means is, the, you know, the earthworms are being active because the soils are warming up. And when the soils start warming up, then the moles start hearing it, and then that's what they start tunneling for. So, again, grub control has nothing to do with really controlling the mole activities. If you've got a good yard, you've got earthworms, the chances that you're going to have, you know, moles is increased. But if you live in the city, there's not all that many moles in the majority of the city, not all of it by any means. Let's head back to the phones and let's go to Jay's yard. Hi, Jay. Hey, good morning, Mike. Thanks for reminding me the moles are coming. I really <laughs> <laughs> um, have about a four-foot by eight-foot raised garden I'm putting in. Uh-huh. And I've looked online and seen, well, five different places will give you eight different ways to do it. Um, the only thing I saw consistent was putting chicken wire down on the bottom to keep the moles out. Um, but what would be something simple that didn't require eight different materials to get a good raised garden? Probably about eight inches of fill altogether, again, by a four by eight, so about two yards. Uh, you mean as far as, well, St. Louis composting, you're talking about the soil that you're putting in there? Yes. Yeah, uh, I have an empty hole. What do I put in there? Yeah, St. Louis Composting actually has a f- formula for you know raised beds. So they sell it specifically. They formulate it for a raised bed circumstance. Ah, so it's all one material. Yes. Ooh, you know, I, like I mean, that. it's already blended together, and it's specifically for you know creating what you're talking about—a raised bed. Whether you you know you're making the siding bricks, or whether you're making a composite wood, or whatever it happens to be much better than buying eight different things and mixing it all together oh, yeah. all day. Very, I mean, they do it all for you. So, 
Thanks for that. Sure. Does the chicken wire help, or is there a good way to get rid of moles? <laughs> well, traps is the best way to get rid of the moles. I mean, there will be people that say mothballs and this and that and everything else, but if you have a history of moles, then, uh, you know, the chicken wire certainly will help, but, uh, you know, after a couple of years, it may break down, so you have to, you know, kind of replace it. But, uh, yeah, go ahead and try that if you want and see see what you think. Okay. Thank you very much. Yep. My pleasure. And now let's go to Diane's yard. Hi, Diane. Diane, are you there? Nope. She did the plink. (laughs) And Mary lives in Crestwood. Hi, Mary. Uh, Last year we bought a gorgeous, gorgeous bonfire patio peach tree. And the leaves and the blossoms were on every limb. And they were a vibrant, vibrant pink, dark pink. Mm-hmm. This year, we don't have many blossoms, and they're pale pink. Pink. This was a specimen tree last year, and now it's just a tree. You know, it's not a vibrant. <laughs> so I don't know what happened. It's not the same tree that I purchased. Do you still have it in a pot, or is it in the ground? No, we planted it in the ground. So it's probably a nutrient. I mean, you have to understand that retail nurseries, you know, and production nurseries add some extra things to the soil to get them to look vibrant, to have sales and things along that line. So the nutrient level is not the exact same. Also, wherever it was grown, the weather may have been a little bit better than what the weather we have so consequently, that can you know that can be you know an impact, but more than likely it could be a nutrient type thing. So who would I call to find the correct nutrients of? Uh, well, you go to try the Missouri Botanical Garden website, MoBot, okay. and, and just you know put in peach trees and see what they say about fertilizing you know fruit trees in general. This sounds like an ornamental one as opposed to one that's going to produce fruits. Right. Yeah. It does produce tiny little peaches, but... Um, Not edible. No. <laughs> Maybe for the birds, I don't know. Or a squirrel. But I'm so disappointed because it really was a specimen. Yeah. But that's something that's going to happen, that happens a lot of times. And it's not even with just trees and woody plant material. Sometimes perennials and things along that line are spectacular the first year, and then it takes them a couple years to catch back up. And it's soil preparation and everything else. So hopefully the soil's been well prepared where you planted it. And yes, it you know, was. Okay. It was amended. Yeah. And it's uh, so it's got, probably related to the nutrients as well as our weather, because I mean that can have an impact too. I mean some of the trees, crab apples and things like that, are absolutely spectacular this year. <laughs> I have not seen any peach trees in bloom yet. Okay. So well, this has bloomed and now the blooms are gone and it's a dark foliage. Oh. Okay, well, thank you so much. Sure, my pleasure. Yeah, sometimes it can be a little disappointing, but, uh, you know, those kind of things happen. I guess we better not try to get another one in but because uh, be too quickly. Realize that uh, heading to your garden center, I mean, if you're not exactly sure about certain things, ask the staff there to help you out with making your decision on what you want to have in the location. Go in there with, you know, some ideas specifically on where you're trying to plant, you know, what's close by, not only just from a shade standpoint, but also a root system standpoint. Because you see how many calls I get where people are having difficulty related to 
various circumstances, and a lot of it is related to trees and uh, tree feeder roots. So that's really important. Another thing to think about is if you do have dogs and you have spots in your lawn that are yellow, that's because the dog urine has a high level of nitrogen. So you're really burning, or the dog urine is, (laughs) burning those spots in your lawn. And there's not too much you can do about it unless you want to follow your dog around. Spring flowering things, this is a time as soon as they finish flowering, like the forsythia is just about finished, to do the pruning. Don't prune anything that blooms later on in the year because you're pruning off the flower buds that should be coming open later in the year. But spring flowering things, get them pruned as soon as they finish flowering. So whether it's a crabapple tree or whether it's a forsythia or a quince or whatever it happens to be. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. We'll be back after the news. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, this is the Garden Hotline. It is the tip of the trial hour, and I'll be giving that shortly. But right now, you can give us a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. With ideas, questions, concerns, or comments, and Mary, Craig, and Gary, they were hanging on from last hour. We'll get to you first. And, Mr. Kelly, before you take off. Yes. So, uh... You sound like you have a cold or something. I have a cold. Yeah, I'm battling a little cold here. Really? I did get, I'm vaccinated, and so I should uh, be okay as far as that goes. But yeah, I've been battling a cold for a couple days. Uh-oh. So yeah, I know. That's a bummer. It's a well, whole different world when you get sick now. Right. You know, you sneeze and everybody looks at you. <laughs> right, exactly. But, you know. So, well, yeah, just hopefully a cold. you'll be well. I, I hope so. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm either going to get well or I'm going to die. <laughs> and and if I get well, I got nothing to worry about. Right, if I true. die, I got two things to worry about. I'm either going to go to heaven or hell. And if I go to heaven, I got nothing to worry about. If I go to hell, all my friends are there. I got nothing to worry yeah, about. Yeah, right. Yeah. It'd be more fun. Yeah. Well. <laughs> so we'll see. Well, I'm sorry, but uh, I mean, your dedication to your job. When yeah. you're not feeling well, you're coming in. Yeah, but, you know, then you got to worry about infecting other people. That's true. So that's why I'm way over here. Yeah, I'm glad I got this big shield over me. I am too. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Brian. You bet. Yes, folks, and thanks to you for having me on your show. We can discuss plants, care, ups and downs, and all arounds of annuals. The pansies are still looking good. I'll tell you, I was talking about the lettuce that I'm growing in the window boxes. When the weather got pretty warm there for several days in a row, the lettuce didn't look so good. Now that it's cooled down again, the lettuce is looking great. So anyway, your bulbs, what should you be doing with them? Should be planting the summer bulbs, the dahlias, and those type things. And uh, how about the ones that are blooming right now, what you should do? And uh, edibles, ground covers, houseplants, lawn, perennial roses, trees, shrubs, vines, and water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take, but strictly offered for you to consider. Alex is producing, so when you call, he answers the phone. He just needs your first name and where you're calling from. During the weekend, on weekends, I do uh, landscape consulting, which I call a walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage, that's my email address and phone number. And you can contact me, and we can set up a time. Also, uh, I have gift certificates that I can email you if you'd like to give a gift certificate to somebody as well. 
Tip of the trial is a special recognition for individual group or the situation that's made an impression on me and is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Tracy, my wife, right now, <laughs> she's at America's Center getting her second shot. But the neat thing was, so I'm giving her a tip of the trial, she orchestrated the whole thing where I was able to get my Johnson & Johnson, JJ, shot one shot only needed at the YMCA that's only like two or three miles away from us. It's the one where she teaches swimming. She teaches private lessons and things like that. But she saw this and orchestrated it and everything else. All I had to do is show up. And the neat thing about this particular place was the National Guard that was there. You know, I mean, that was great and everything else. But I, as I said last hour, their thermometer and you know, where they just put it on your forehead couldn't get couldn't get my temperature. That's why I was saying I was a robot, or I must be a robot. But also, after you had your shots, you have to you know sit around for like fifteen minutes. They had all kinds of snacks. They had all kinds of drinks and everything else. So, a tip of the trial goes out to Tracy for orchestrating it. So, I mean, I really didn't have to do anything except show up. And then for all the people that were coordinating and getting everything together there at the local Y. So that was pretty much fun. So let's take a couple calls before we take break. Let's head and go over to Craig's yard. Hi, Craig. Hey, Mike. How you doing? Very good. Hey, I um, uh, I was looking outside my uh, arborvitaes. They're kind of brown on the inside, green on the outside. Is right. that normal or are they kind of they getting ready to get out of here? No, no, that's normal. There's no sun oh, okay. that's hitting in there. So pretty much any evergreen is going to have towards the interior, towards the trunk or the middle is going to have brown. Okay. And then uh, I also have a, I think it's a mugo pine. It's kind of good size. And it's got like a brown, uh, everything else is green, but it's just on the outside. It's kind of brown. Should I just trim that guy off of there? Uh, if it's a branch, you know, talking about individual branches, the yeah. needles have yes, all turned brown. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if the if all the needles are brown on a branch, that branch is a goner, so you might as well cut it. And also with the gotcha. mugo pines right now, they should be elongating the candles, the new growth. So hopefully they're okay. doing that. Okay, very good. All right, thanks a lot. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's head over to Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, I just have a question. I'd like to get your opinion on rubber mulch. What do you think? Uh, I don't really care for it. You okay. know, I understand what it was. It was recycled tires and all this other stuff. But, it, you know, the mulch, basically, it's, it certainly conserves moisture and things like that. But, uh, you know, I, it's just a little too creepy for me. And also, it doesn't break down where regular mulch will slowly break down. And as it breaks down, it improves the soil. So it's just... If you want to just have mulch for the sake of having mulch, sure. But I don't think it's, you know, the best thing. Yeah, I mean, I've I've, I've seen it, and it certainly seems maintenance-free, and it seems to keep the weeds away, and it looks okay from a distance up front. It's, like you said, kind of creepy. Yeah. But um, I just didn't know if it was good for the soil. Or... No, it doesn't, doesn't do anything to, to the advantage of your soil, that's for sure. Okay, okay, so stick with the natural, right? Okay, thank you so much. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's head over to Gary's. Hi, Gary. Yes, um, good morning. Uh, 
I have uh, some weeds in my yard that's starting to pop up. They're little purple flowers like. I uh, was wanting to know how to get rid of them. And then on my uh, crab apple tree that I talked to you about a couple weeks ago about spraying some fungicide on it, it was really windy at the time, so I waited and I sprayed them. Well, the next day it rained. Um, did that affect that spray? And how often should I spray it throughout the year? Uh, basically, with a you know with a crab apple, depending upon the variety, some of them can be very prone to like a lot of foliar fungus problems. And there's things yeah, called cedar apple rust and all those kind of things. So uh, you just have to kind of watch out. Early in the season is a better time to do it, you know, as the foliage is emerging. Uh, later on in the season, uh, you know, I wouldn't necessarily be too concerned with it. And a lot of times spraying certain things on certain plant material when the weather starts really getting hot can be to the disadvantage of the plant as opposed to the advantage. So I would say next year, just as we go into wintertime, use a dormant oil spray and then use that horticultural oil. I don't know if that's what you used, you know. Yes. Okay. So then, yeah, if it rained the next day, it probably didn't you know, didn't impact. But you can still use the horticultural oil, a lightweight oil like that. But uh, still, it's just uh, watch out temperature-wise. Always read the label. Okay. What about those uh, purple flower weeds? Uh, depends upon what type it is. Uh, if they're the annual ones, they're going to disappear when it gets hot. But if it's not, then just go ahead and go and spray them. Obviously, when it's raining, no, you don't want to do that uh, with a broadleaf weed killer. Well, I've used broadleaf on them several times in it uh, last summer, and it, and it might have stunt them to a point, but uh, every year they come back in the same spot. Yeah, so it's uh, maybe you're going to have to go off, go after them if they're in that same spot over and over and over again. They might be violets, which that's you know they could be that. And if they are, then you're going to have to use like an all-purpose type, you know, killer like Roundup or something along that line. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's not what I wanted to hear. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if it's violets, they come back and back and back and back and back. That's probably what they are then. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Sure. I mean, uh, you can go to your favorite garden center and ask them what they might recommend to kill violets, but they are some tough weeds. No getting around it. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. If you're heading out to the garden center and you buy some plants and stuff, Unless you're getting them bald and burlap, for the most part, they're coming in some kind of container. Now, when you live in the city, there is recycling dumpsters where you can take your plastic and dump it in that way. But if you're not sure exactly what you want to do with it, what you can do is go to www.mobot.org, so that's MissouriBotanicalGarden.org, and they have plastic plastic pot recycling. So for more information on what to do with all your plastic from purchasing plants, you can get in touch with them. Let's head over to Jackie's yard. Hi, Jackie. Hello. Hi. Yes. Uh, I have a strange little situation. I have two beautiful white dogwoods in my backyard, and they've got a few years on them. One of them, every year, uh, all the buds come on, but only the two outer petals open. The inside petals do not open. Wow. Yeah. It's unusual. And the tree is huge. 
and beautiful. Hmm. And it's covered in hundreds and hundreds of the blooms, but only the outer petals open. Well, that's kind of odd. So well, I think so. When you're saying, you know, there's usually five petals on the flower, there's only two that open? Well, actually, there's four petals on a dogwood. Oh, okay. The two outer and then two inner. And the two outer open, but the center ones stick. I have they no just I- stick together. No idea whatsoever. Sits beside one that blooms beautifully. No guess. No guess. Can't imagine. No. I think you're making this up. No. I actually go out and pop all the lower ones. Oh, do you? Yeah. Wow. I do. What so, you might it, do is you might, uh, again, go to the Missouri Botanical Garden website and see what they you know can come up with that, because I don't oh, have any idea. Yeah. Okay. Well, I thought I'd give it a try. Yeah. Never hurts to try. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Sure. Anyway. Thanks, Jackie. Sorry, I didn't uh-huh. have an answer. I guess I can make up something. <laughs> you have to be out there in a full moon and do dancing underneath the dogwood. No, I don't know. <laughs> oh, Thanks, Jackie. You bet. Yep. Let's go to Esther's. Or Esther's, sorry. Esther, Hi, Mike. Hi. Yeah. Uh, I have a question about Arborvitae. Arbor yeah, Arborvitae. Yeah. Uh, how far from a deck or, um, uh, you know, a building should they be planted? Well, it all depends. There's certain varieties. I mean, some are going to get a little bit more rotund than other ones, but I would say no closer to any, you know, any kind of structure. And especially, you know, if you're putting them up close to a house in front of windows, if you put them too close in the back side, ultimately we'll have no no needles on them. And also, when you're inside looking out the window, you're going to see skeletized stuff. So the further you push stuff away from a house, a deck is not quite as bad, but a house definitely, uh, the better it is going to be for the you know any kind of plant material and especially anything that's evergreen. Well, a neighbor uh, has planted them on the uh, condo ground about three feet from the deck and maybe about seven feet from there, there's a lateral sewer running. And I don't know what kind they are, if they're dwarf or uh, what, but she planted them in between uh, some viburnum bushes. And (laughs) I was just, uh, I'm not sure how they will grow. Yeah, I know she kind of wants a screen there, but... I thought that was kind of close. Yeah, it does sound relatively close. And a lot of times as I go to people's homes, I find that a lot of times, you know, whether they're planted with, by professionals or by, you know, the individual people, nobody plans for maturity. And then that's where, right. you know, some of the aesthetic problems as well as other type problems can occur. So in 10 or 20 years, if they're the big ones, they can really spread out. Well, they're never, I mean, Arborvitae never gets super rotund. Probably at the base, let's, let's say the variety Techni Arborvitae, it may get like uh, four to six feet at the base width-wise. And some of the other ones, maybe not quite that much, but uh, still they're going to get some, you know, rotundness to them. And if it's a, they were the green giant ones, which, I, again, I don't know, you know which ones they are, they get taller. Yeah, yeah they get taller, but not necessarily all that wide and their root root system um they're fairly friendly they're not really aggressive when it comes to you know as far as piping and things along that line okay 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 well 
Thank you. Yeah, it sounds like she spent too much money on plant material. Yes. <laughs> All right, thanks. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I mean, just, I mean, even with viburnums, people don't understand. You get a five-gallon viburnum, doesn't matter what type it is. Some of them are only going to get like four to six feet high and four to six feet wide, and some will get eight to ten feet high and eight to ten feet wide. So you got to look at the you know mature sizes on things. Let's see. Let's head out to Wildwood and go into Mike's yard. Hi, Mike. How are you, sir? Very good. Hey, when's the best time to plant like blackberries, blueberries, raspberries? Basically, right now. Okay, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, um, I just wanted to make sure. Yeah, the garden centers will have the best selection now, and get them in the ground as you know as soon as you possibly can. And then make sure, like with the blueberries and certain ones, they need a pretty acidic soil. So get your soil prepared before you bother buying the plant material. Right. Well, I've got pretty good soil out there, and I've taken care of it, you know, all my life. So oh, okay. I to find out what time, you know, when time. I thought right now would be the time. Exactly. Okay. I appreciate your shows. Sure. Well, thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, the sooner the better because okay. the ground is, you know, just now starting to warm up. So you want warm ground. That's what uh, causes, let's say, a surge of root system growth. And that's what you want as they head towards summertime because summer, a lot of times, is the worst season for lots of different kinds of plants. So thanks, Mike. Uh, and now let's go uh, to Granite City and see what's going on with Sandy. Hi, Sandy. Hi, Hello. Mike. Hi. Yeah, I've just got two two problems. Uh, my my plants, inside plants that are on my sun porch, they're just not doing too well right now. And my jade plant, the the leaves aren't thick and firm like they should be. Do they need uh, uh, fertilizer and stuff now? Well, I mean, it wouldn't hurt. But also, if they're not doing well, fertilizer is not necessarily the, you know, maybe they're not getting enough light. And how old is, like, let's say the jade plant that you have? The jade plant is, oh, about 40 years old. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. it can be age factor. As I look in the mirror myself at 71 and I look at all those wrinkles, so, I mean, it's just an age factor type thing with certain with plant materials, too. So I mean, fertilizing and anything else is not going to necessarily turn it around and make it look like it did 20 years ago. Okay. Oh, then there's nothing I can do for it. Well, and I, it needs trim, but I'm always afraid I'm going to mess it up if I cut on it. <laughs> well, don't prune it. But, I mean, if you got the option where you can set it outside in a part shade location, that may help some. But, again, it's an age factor as much as anything. Okay, because where they are, it's all windows. So, you know, it's yeah. It's facing to the east. Yeah. Sure. But um, it's still not quite this, you know, intensity of, you know, let's say sunlight outside. No, true. Okay. They're in my, I had a, a an orchid that I've had for about 10 years, and it's not doing well now. That. Is that an age thing, too? It could be, certainly. Uh, I mean, I've got some that are pretty old myself, and uh, sometimes I think they've only got like three or four leaves on them. These are Phalaenopsis. and right. uh, But, you know, they don't need a whole lot of leaves. If they got a lot of the aerial roots coming out, leave those alone. You don't put those in the bark. And uh, they're basically, this. you know, a lot of the orchids in their native habitat grow on the sides of different kinds of plant material. So that's what they, you know... I mean, there's, there's lots of different factors, 
but age could be, and they do need a lot of light. There's no getting around that as well. Maybe I just need to move it where it's because it's against an inside wall. Oh yeah, so yeah, for give it the most light possible. Okay, and one other thing, and I don't if you can tell me some kind of recommendation for. I love to put my flowers and stuff outside. I've got about ten pots that I put just annuals in. But the squirrels last year were tearing them all up. They were digging in the pots, and, you know, people told me mothballs and I don't know, all kinds of stuff, but nothing was working for it. Right. There, Is there anything I can do to keep the squirrels away? Uh, maybe. No, that's not really. I mean, they're doing that because it's easy digging, and yeah. they're not necessarily going after any kind of food or anything. Sometimes they're planting acorns or stuff like yeah. that, but there's not— you know, I mean, some people will put, you know, chicken wire on top of the, you know, the potting mix, but that's a lot of work. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so it's just really up to you. Just hopefully this year they won't be as nasty. Oh, I hope so. Because I mean, I haven't had that problem before, but right. last year I, they were horrible. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Well, I, I still want to plant, so I'll just be watching them all the time. Right, like, exactly. Well, good okay. luck, Sandy. Have a good day. Uh-huh, you too. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Yes, folks, if your roses or new growth is about uh, two inches or so, this is a time when you should be making your first fertilizing with a rose food. Get one specifically for your roses. Let's head over to Mary's yard now. Hi, Mary. Hi, Mike. Hi. I have these um, four roses of Sharon bushes fairly close to the south side of my house, and uh, they're about, oh, they're they're at least 20, 30 years old, Mm -hmm. and they're about anywhere from 8 to 12 inches tall. Um, I I would like to trim uh, some of them, and I I think you said if you trim them, they, they will get more bushy. Right. It's selective pruning, you know, is the way to do it for sure. And if you're going to prune them, get them, you know, do the pruning, you know, as soon as you possibly can. Because what's going to happen is if you wait too long, you're going to prune off sort of the first flush of the flowering on them. So just selectively prune and, you know, it's, I mean, they're a little bit rough to get full once they've gotten that large. So don't ever expect them to look like they did when you first got them. Well, is it a good idea to cut off the old uh flowers that are still hanging on no i mean you can do that that's more of an aesthetic call than anything uh-huh so it doesn't really help you know them production wise or anything else well how much would you trim on them i would probably selectively take you know probably as much as like a third off every one you know every one of them uh-huh. and you know and leave the other two-thirds being lengthwise and then just over the next couple years Start bringing them down to a size that's more what you prefer. Uh huh. Okay. And also, I have my daughter gave me this uh, small plastic uh, pot with six uh, tulips in it, and they're done blooming. And I'd like I'd like to keep the the bulbs. Uh, how do I go about doing that? Basically, leave them in the pot. Don't do anything with them. And I mean, put hopefully the or you can get the pot outside. Don't put it in direct sun where it's going to get multiple hours of direct sun, 
and just wait till the foliage sort of dries off and turns brown, then cut the foliage off, then just still leave them in the pot, bring them inside or put them in your garage or something, and then next September slash October plant them outside. Oh, okay. It's September or October. Right. Okay. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Mark. Mike. Sure, my pleasure. Yeah, the other option is to, if you know where you want to plant them and it's a good sunny location, it's well-drained, you can take them right outside right now and plant them, not today because it's raining, but uh, sometime as soon as possible. Oh, okay. It, it, it would be okay to, to plant them outside now. Yeah, the problem is doing it this time of year, you could damage the foliage. And tulips are not really reliable about coming back. And if they don't have halfway decent foliage, then they're definitely probably not going to come back as far as being able to flower. Uh-huh. So it's better to, to uh, 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 let them outside for a while and then put them down in the basement? Yeah, while the, and then just plant them in the, you know, in the fall when you normally plant those type of bulbs. Right. Okay, thanks so much Sure, my help. pleasure. Bye-bye. And now let's see, where should we go? Hmm. Let's go up to Ferguson and into Gail's yard. Hi, Gail. Uh, good morning, Mike. Um, I have a pink spirea, and for the last several years, it gets covered in aphids. Whoa. And I've used, um, you know, the spray, the oil, and after a couple of treatments, that seems to take care of it. Right. <laughs> so um, I noticed that yesterday when I was looking at it, because it's just starting, you know, to come out green, that I've got aphids again. And I thought, is there something I can do to prevent that in the first place, or do I just have to wait till the bugs show up and then spray it? For the most part, you just have to kind of wait until they show up and then spray the individual bugs. I mean, you can use insecticidal soaps and things like that. That's fine. Uh, there's, I mean, there is systemic-type insecticides where you put it on the ground. It comes up through the root system. But the, the effectiveness against aphids is going to be somewhat minimal. So you're kind of just destined to go after them when you start to see them. Okay. That's a bummer. Right. Okay. And, okay, and when should I fertilize my peonies and my clematis? I mean, the clematis, they haven't, I mean, are they starting to push out foliage yet? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So fertilize them right now. And the peonies, they're not blooming yet, I'm assuming, but the foliage has been up and they may have flower buds. Fertilize them right now, too. So anything that's actively growing can use some fertilizer. Okay, what kind should I use? Uh, just personal choice as much as anything. If you like the miracle grows, you know, the ones that you mix up in water or you can get the liquids or uh, I always just alternate and rotate different brands. Okay, sounds good. Thanks for the help. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's go to Pappy in Waterloo. Hi, Pappy. Good morning, Hi. Mike. How are you? Good. Good. Uh, Last year, toward the end of summer, I put window boxes in front of my front windows. and But it's on a porch that has a roof over the porch. Oh. And, of course, it gets a little sun in the morning, but it's not the rest of the day. What's a good idea to put in there? I would say don't, you know, if you don't want uh, traditional type annuals, 
begonias would be good, you know, in that kind of situation. But using things that are considered house plants, you know, works very well, like spider plants, wandering Jews, things along that line. Oh, I didn't even give those a thought. Yeah, I use a lot of, uh, you know, let's say classic house plants in window boxes and stuff. You know, because they add a, a different kind of color with the foliage, some flower, but uh, that's probably what I would look at. Did you say plastic? Plastic? Oh, no. see, I mentioned that to my daughter yesterday. I said, I might try plastic. That won't be any problem. We can add color. Oh, she said, Mom, whoever heard it, such a thing. Well, you could use a plastic, but I'm saying uh, just basically any kind of tropical-type plant, begonias, you know, I mean, they like a, a shady circumstance. Okay. The, you know, the houseplant-type things, they seem to be a little bit more, less less needy as far as care goes. Okay. All righty. Well, thank you very much for your help. Sure, my pleasure. And let's get another call in. Let's go over to Honey's Yard. Hi, Honey. Honey, are you there? Is this, is this Connie? Oh, Connie. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Hi, I'm from Collinsville. And I have a question. Uh, last, I have a bed that has this creeping Jenny, and it's a real pretty, it's kind of like a ground cover because it's sunny there. Right. Last year, I noticed little holes in them. And then I thought, oh, we may have a bug here. By the time I figured out what it was, I went out there and those little dubers were so hungry, they completely ate every leaf on my uh, Creeping Jenny. Whoa. So I came, they came back. I mean, then they disappeared. The little, they were little white larva-like things. And then when the leaves came back, they resurrected and they ate, they ate them again. So this year they did come back. But I'm wondering, are they coming from the ground, or where are these coming from? Yeah, they're probably coming up, you know, coming from the ground would be my guess. Without seeing them, I can't, you know, kind of give you a guess on what it is. It was some kind of a larva. Okay. Is when I looked it up. Yeah. Uh, I would say, you know, go to your favorite garden center, tell them this is what you have, and see what they would have. Maybe you could do, you know, put something on the soil to get them before they start, you know, devouring your foliage. Okay. Okay, that's what I'll do. Great. And it, I, I didn't hear when you said to plant the elephant ear bulbs. Is it okay to do it now? Yeah, you can certainly do it now, in the ground or in pots. Okay, great. Thank you so much, Mike. Yep, my pleasure. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, let's head over to Susan's yard. Hi, Susan. Good morning, Mike. Hi. I have a lily of the valley bed. I've had it for about 20 years. Mm -hmm. Most of the lilies are gone. Just the edges of the bed have plants. I don't see any. There's no holes, tunnels. I'm wondering, is this bed too old? Well, it should. I mean, that's you know, should be able to revive itself. Why it didn't, I'm not sure. Were you putting mulch on it or anything? No, I haven't. Maybe okay. I should. Yeah, maybe a little bit, but don't put too much because that stuff is pretty tough and durable. So uh, you might just have to get some, you know, some new plants, and uh, either that or the ones that are on the perimeter. Dig those up and divide them. Don't do that now. Do that as we're going into fall and uh, try to revive the whole bed. Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah. For your- 
Because we we have one on the side of our house. Actually, the neighbor has taken care of it before we even moved in, and it's uh, it's like about that same age, but it's pretty thick and full. Yeah, it was, but it's thinning out now. So, (laughs) all right, thank you. Yep, and now let's go to Ruth, and she lives in Perryville. Hi, Ruth. Morning. Good morning, Mike. I planted pansies for the first time this year. Can you give me any helpful hints, or should I fertilize them? Should I have fertilized them? Well, fertilizing would certainly help them. They have a limited life, so as soon as it starts getting warm, they're going to melt. So if they look healthy and vibrant, if you want to give them some fertilizer, do a half-label rate fertilizer of your choice, And but it's not going to extend their life much past, let's say, I would say they'll really start going downhill around Memorial Day. Okay. All right. I'm prepared for that. All right. Thank you. Perfect. And now let's go to Nancy's yard. Hi, Nancy. Hi, Mike. I have a question. I have this weed, and I think it's called henbit. Right. And it has taken over my entire grass on the curb area, and we would do weed and feed, and it would, like, kill it, but then every spring it would come back even worse. Right. And so I got tired of it, and I, the other day I sat and I dug all of it out to the bare dirt, and I was going to put grass seed down. But just in case I didn't get all the roots out, is there something I can treat my bare dirt with now to get it ready to put the new seed down? No, just put the new seed down, and hopefully the soil is prepared. What this is is the reason why it keeps coming back is because the whole time it's been flowering, it germinates and starts growing in August. It's a cool-season annual weed. Consequently, while it's flowering, it's dropping seeds, and those seeds just lay there all summer long, and then they start germinating when the weather gets cool. So a pre-emergent in like mid to late August, early September would be one of the good ways to try to get it under control. Okay. Um, Also, when I do put down my new grass seed, I have had problems with birds eating it. Um, Should I put straw on top of all this? Yeah, that doesn't make that much difference as far as the birds go. But, uh, you know, just rake it really well, water it in really well. If you want to put some straw, just don't put it too thick because you can create a humid environment, and that could cause some fungus problems with it. Oh. You know, I don't know how big these areas are. You could always just get some seed. I mean, oh. uh, seed, yeah. Get some sod. Oh, oh, yeah. It's it's a, a good distance. I've been, like, digging these weeds oh. out for, like, a week. Okay. So. so. I mean, if you're going to do the seed, you know, you've got to basically get it done by mid, you know, 1st of May or mid-May at the latest. Okay. So do you think that I took care of the problem by actually getting down on my knees and digging well, All you got of rid of, so you reduce the amount of possible seeds for the future, but no, there's probably already seeds there that are going to wait until, again, August and, let's say, early September, and they're going to start germinating. You're not even going to notice them until later on, until October, November, you start seeing the plants. And then once we come out into the new year, that's when they really start exploding. Okay, so a pre-emergent, right. and I should do that in... Uh, let's say uh, from mid-August through early September. Through early September. It's going to okay. be you know, basically related to the soil temperature. So, I mean, to put calendar dates on it, it's really kind of tough because every year is going to be somewhat different. So that's, you know, what you kind of have to watch out for. Okay. 
And then what I uh, I found grubs in there too. So what it didn't take over the grass. The grubs ate the grass, so it was a mess. Yeah, I mean, if you've got grubs, you can put grub X down. If you if you're putting bluegrass down, grubs only eat one type of grass. And that's bluegrass. They don't eat any kind of fescues or anything else. So if you use a fescue-type um, grass seed, then they're not going to be problematic. They'll still be there, but they won't be trouble. Oh, great. Okay, well, thank you so much. Sure, my pleasure. Mm, bye. Yep, and Randy and Mary, I'm sorry. I don't think we're going to be able to uh, get to you today, but uh, basically thanks to everybody for calling in. I greatly appreciate it. And enjoy the weather. And I will see you next week. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.